Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Ad News Pubcast, the podcast that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. Welcome to the Ad News Podcast, sponsored by The Trade Desk and produced for us by Nova Entertainment. I'm Ad News journalist Lindsay Bennett, and today I'm joined by TBWA CEO Paul Bradbury, TBWA Creative Director Kat Jarrett, and Eleven Managing Director Roberto Pace. Before we jump into everything Can Lions, we'd love to get kind of the backstory on how you guys all got into advertising. Paul, can we start with you? Yeah. Um, mum got me some work experience. Uh, a friend of hers at tennis, his husband worked in a little agency in, in North Sydney back in the early 90s and I did some work experience. Uh, I spent a couple of days there and did a voice recording uh, with John Laws for Valvoline Oil. And uh, after that, I was hooked and uh, <laughs> got my first job at JWT as a media assistant when the media was bundled in with the creative work. Oh, nice. John Laws got you into it. Totally. <laughs> and Kat, what about you? So I, um, I'm actually a Kiwi, which you can probably tell from my accent. Um, so I started out in Wellington, but when I was about 12 years old, I saw an ad on TV that Saatchi and Saatchi had made. And I don't know if, if anyone has seen that spot. It's sort of back in the mid-90s, it was a bunch of geese flying and they did this whole sort of Saatchi's rah-rah thing and, and I just completely fell in love with that. So geese got me into advertising. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Roberto? Oh, mine's a bit more cliched. I spent um, a really long time trying to get into this really popular fine arts degree, and I did, and then it killed me having to have my work critiqued every week. And simultaneously, I was working in retail, and I was pretty good at selling things. So the equation in my brain was selling, PR, advertising. I think I can make a buck out of that. I'll switch degrees, and that's how it happened. <laughs> Do you still get your work critiqued every week, though? Sadly, yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Today, we're kind of talking about Cairns Lions. Obviously, it's going on right now, um, in the thick of it. And we're not there. I know. Very sad. <laughs> I mean, you're off. We're here in our jumpers That's on it. the coldest day of winter. That's it. <laughs> um, looking at things that have won in the past at Cairns Lions, what kind of criteria do you think makes winning work? Um, like to ask all of you, but Paul, do you want to mm. start? Yeah, sure. I think uh, if you look at the work that's doing well so far, and only, we're only halfway through the week, um, Fearless Girl, Meet Graham, there is a consistency in those ideas to other ideas that have done really well at Cannes over the years, and that's its simplicity. Um, I think great work is defined in three ways. First of all, you need to feel something immediately. It needs to drive a reaction. Uh, secondly, um, 
it needs to be visually very arresting. I think that's very important. Uh, we live in a very, very visual culture and it's probably no coincidence that both of those ideas I mentioned are both very visual ideas. They're both, both sculptures. And the third factor is they kind of feel simple and obvious, but that's the genius, that they do feel so simple and obvious. You know, simplicity is the key to brilliance and, and getting to that distillation and that simplicity is the hard bit and that's what makes great work iconic work. Mm. And Kat, what work have you kind of seen that's inspired you? Oh, so much. I've just been sort of trawling the Khan website. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think I, I really love um, this beautiful piece of print um, which just came out from BK and it's basically just the stores on fire, which I just think is, is lovely, um, talking to their fr- flame-grilled proposition. Um, so that was one thing. And then I also really enjoyed the um, the Boost Mobile stuff that um, mm. I think it just won in promo and activation, but it was such a simple idea again, sort of just what Bradis was talking about. Um, so simple, so beautifully executed, and it was just turning their um, their stores into places where people could vote. So solving a really, a really simple problem. Mm. And, Paul, the work you kind of mentioned um, is kind of – a blend of art and sculpture and education and a bit of advertising as well. Um, Roberto, in kind of uh, the PR division at TBWA, how have you kind of seen the role of PR change Mm. um, that goes towards winning work? Yeah, I think um, not just at TBWA, but generally PR has come out of this place of being largely a communication tool. We need it to communicate something to convey this message and where it's moving more into the space of is being, you know, another tool for commercial growth, commercial change, etc. And I think that transition has come out of ideas no longer being just about communicating headlines, but communicating things that are about cultural relevance or things that should be culturally relevant. So the work that I think does well at Cairns and I think Uh, the guys have summed it up really well, but a lot of them tend to be anchored in some kind of cultural truth or tension. Fearless Girl is obviously anchored in the concept of women in leadership roles. Meet Graham is more about road safety and what we need to do as a society to better protect ourselves and the ones that we love around us. But the work that's really anchored in things that are meaningful and have a place in culture tends to do really well, and that's certainly what we've seen, that change in, in, in TBWA PR. It's gone from being... PR this campaign to play an active role in what we do and really celebrate how it can drive that cultural change and cultural opportunity for clients. Mm. And a lot of um, TBWA's positioning is about disruption. How would you say that's kind of uh, reflected in how you guys drive creativity? Kat, maybe we could start with you. So I think um, disruption is sort of just it's as simple and as complicated as just sort of looking for the gap, right? So, um, you know, what's everyone forgotten? What are people not seeing anymore? Um, what's not done by this category and, and what rules can we break? And my creative partner and I often just write, what rules can we break when we're sort of trying to come up with new ideas? And I think thinking like that in that disruptive way is, is what gets you to really interesting work. Mm. Paul, what about you? Well, disruption's quite a quite a buzzword of the times, isn't mm. it? Um, uh, disruption's actually been part of TWA for the last twenty years. It was a phrase coined by Jean-Marie Drew, our uh, global uh, chairman, some twenty years ago. And it's it's actually a, uh, a, a it, it's it's our, our strategic philosophy and it's our strategic process that we use to solve almost every business problem. It's a really simple collaborative process we do with our clients. There's three simple steps. 
first of all, we look at any conventions in a category. They might be consumer conventions or pricing conventions or distribution conventions. Then we agree a vision for where that brand might want to go for the next five years. Then we come back to those conventions and we find the biggest one that's holding that brand back and we and we overturn it. And from that becomes the disruptive idea. And, and as Kat says, it's about finding the spaces, the fresh territory uh, for brands to play in. And, and that's what the disruptive process is all about. Mm. How would you say um, disruption is kind of reflected in the work that you submitted to Can this year? Um, I think um, uh, if, if you look at some of uh, the ANZ work we've done over the last four years now, and it was great, our Melbourne team uh, picked up a couple of awards the other night for Hold Tight. Mm. It's the fourth year in a row that uh, we've picked up awards for ANZ. Um, I think we've found some you know, fresh territory with what we did with uh, the Equal Future campaign a, a couple of years ago, where we uh, you know, revealed that obviously... Um, uh, women weren't being uh, compensated the same way that, that men were. And uh, I think we've used it to unlock fresh territory for um, talking about ANZ commitment to uh, um, the gay and lesbian community as well. And uh, it's unlocked some interesting work this year. It, it, it unlocked the insight that um, um, same-sex couples feel embarrassed to hold hands in public. And so we, we demonstrated that and brought that to the attention and uh, hopefully we're going to help to remove that uh, embarrassment. Mm, yeah, it's beautiful work. What about um, the PR side? How do you think disruption kind of comes into your mm. daily output? It's funny. So um, there's two PR agencies. One is Fleischmann Hillard, which is part of a global network, and the other one's Eleven, which is TBWO's own PR agency that started in New Zealand and then came to Australia five years after it was founded. And the name Eleven... What it's about really is if 10 is about leveraging culture, which is what a lot of PR people do, you see something happening in the world and then you turn it into an opportunity for a client. Well, going above that, going to that step 11 is about creating culture. And in order to create something that is new and different, you've got to be disruptive. So we're looking at things that are culturally relevant, that have cultural tensions in them, but we want to play with them in completely new and different ways that bring about that disruption that doesn't just land us in great PR or social chatter, but brings about that commercial change that elevates it from just another PR campaign that made a headline to something that drove a business forward. Mm. I guess that kind of goes into my next question, which is about um, creative effectiveness. Um, can entries this year were actually down, mm. but uh, the entries into creative effectiveness um, soared 59%, which is massive. Uh, a lot of the times when I kind of speak to creatives and marketers, they say they're valuing awards like the Effies more than ever before. Um, it begs the question, is award-winning work the same as effective work that drives business results? Mm. Paul? It doesn't surprise me award entries are down. <laughs> it's very expensive to enter awards. Mm. And uh, we read today, obviously, publicists are pulling out of all award shows for the next year to save some money to invest into their uh, internal uh, collaborative platform. So that's a very, very bold move from publicists. Mm. Do you agree with it? Uh, I agree with making a, a bold move. I think being bold and following through with a commitment to build, you know, one consolidated uh, agency across the world is, is a brave one. Um, and it's good that he's investing uh, in you know, communication collaboration tools. Uh, it's bold because uh, I think uh, he'll um, uh, disenfranchise a few creatives and probably planners within uh, his agencies who mm. uh, like having the marker of, of creative awards. It's important for their careers. 
Uh, but look, it's only for a year, and uh, I'm, sure he, I'm sure he knows what he's doing. It's, it's a bold statement, and perhaps the whole industry does need a bit of a reset when it comes to creative awards. We have mm. too many shows, and maybe that's part of that statement as well. So, look, I admire his his bold call on it, but uh, let's see if he uh, follows through. He mm. seems to be a man that will follow through, so we'll see. Um, but in terms of the, the point you make, I mean, there is definitely a direct correlation between creativity and effectiveness. Uh, it, it has been proven, and many of the great uh, campaigns that have won at Cannes the following year also do very well at creative effectiveness, once again proving that correlation. I think it's great that there are more entries into the creative effectiveness uh, categories. Uh, it's coming off a, off a lower base, but I think I think it's great, and it's more proof that uh, our industry and creativity can deliver real commercial results. Mm. And Kat, what about you? Are you seeing more clients really sought after that effectiveness um, rather than maybe the art or the craft? Uh, it's such a it's such an interesting question that we I find it weird that we sort of try and divorce those two things because I mm. I genuinely think that you can't make I mean the point of what we're doing is to make effective work so um, I really don't think that you can pull them apart I think every client wants their work to introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com website creation is hard but now with Bluehost you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Be effective. Um, it just so happens that when it's creative, it is more effective, which has been proven. So, um, yeah, I don't think you can pull those things apart. Also got to remember that, you know, every creative category there has to be an element of effectiveness of in the does. can yeah. entry. So I think that's important mm. to keep in yeah. mind too. There's always effectiveness built into every creative entry into can as well. Mm. I've seen this shift particularly in PR. So where work would be presented to clients, whether they knew it existing, and you talk about the PR results, that's becoming less and less relevant. I think clients expect great agencies to be able to get great PR and social and content results with their eyes closed. What they're really asking for, though, is what was the commercial outcome of what you did? And in PR, it can become really challenging because while we're developing campaigns that are effective and can be effective, there is still a bit of pushback from clients on spending the same amount of investment they would in analysing a PR campaign and its outcomes as they would have a creative, a traditional creative campaign. So we don't always have the opportunity to capture that full spectrum of um, effectiveness, whereas if it was run as a pure creative traditional campaign, it would be, um, you know, it would be silly not to, to run the effectiveness channels and to make sure that it worked in the same way. Mm. So clients kind of... Uh looking for more of those metrics that aren't always available? I think they're, they're definitely looking for those metrics and PR people have to get far better at how they present findings and effectiveness. But on the flip side, clients need to be able to invest in the measurement of those 
channels mm. and sometimes because it's wrapped under the banner of a PR agency did it, the investment they put behind it isn't the same as what it would be if it was done through a creative agency. Mm, yeah. It's an interesting point and something, another um, interesting thing that's uh, happened at Can this year was clients' entries uh, surged 69%. You know, a reason of that could be because agencies are trying to save a few dollars and instead clients entering work, um, which I'm sure we might see with some uh, publicist work next year. Mm. But what do you kind of think that indicates about the industry with um, clients getting more involved? Well, clients are building in-house creative capabilities. Mm. The Twitter uh, Outdoor Grand Prix went to Twitter's in-house creative agency. Uh, so I think it's reflective of that. And uh, I think there's some success but there's also some pretty uh, public failures in terms of in-house creative agencies, and I obviously point to the Pepsi Kendall yeah. Jenner ep- episode. <laughs> I don't uh, think it's... anyone can skip over that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Um, so, look, I think it's challenging for clients to build creative cultures with inside their organisations. Um, uh, I think Twitter obviously have they've, they've hired an ex TWA creative actually Jayanta who, mm. uh, who who did the uh, the work that won a Grand Prix but uh, I think it's going to be a real challenge for clients to try and build those creative capabilities in house and it will be the same challenge obviously that uh, some of the management consultants have as they build out their uh, entire customer experience capabilities to include marketing and advertising. Um, you know, it's not easy to build creative culture. Mm, because those consultancies have a huge presence at Can this year, along with the Snapchats and yes, the Facebooks the tech companies, of the world. Do you think they'll be kind of entering... Yes, I do. ...more and more? I do, I do, I do. I, I noticed uh, uh, the monkeys enter as monkeys part of uh, Accenture Digital, so it's, mm. it's already begun. So, yeah, definitely, and so they should. Mm. Does Deloitte or PwC or, or any of those... Um, enter can at, at the moment. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they will in years to come. Sure, it's, see it's, next it's, year. It's the place to prove uh, your creativity. So mm. I'm sure. That, I'm sure they will. Mm. I guess going back to publicists, and I know we kind of already spoke about it, but do you see it as a good thing for Omnicom to not have to go up against, um, you know, Saatchi, Leo's, <laughs> Marcel? Uh, no, 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 because. Uh, you want all the best players to be mm. competing so that when you do win, you know you've... Uh, deserve it. You deserve it. Yeah. Would, totally. Do you see it as like a little bit of a blow, I guess, to the competition um, at yeah. Cairns, you know, our awards yeah. as well? Um, yeah, potentially. It's 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 still pretty, pretty competitive and uh, most of the major players, well, pretty much all the major players are still in there. I mean, Publicis is a uh, fair-sized network, but it... Uh, It'd probably only make up five percent of, mm. of of the entries, maybe not even that. So there's still plenty of competition, yeah. and with all the new competitors and <laughs> joining and the management consultancies, that the, the clients themselves, uh, it'll still be a sweet to uh, to win uh, to win it can like mm. it like it must be for the boys at Clems Melbourne this week who are just going to have the most outstanding week and <laughs> well, well deserved too. Wouldn't you w- love to work at that agency this week? Yeah, Obviously no one's jumping year. shit but <laughs> <laughs> it's their year good on them. The work is is stunning and uh, it must be a great feeling mm. um, and they, they, they deserve everything, all the accolades they get. I mean I, I could see them being Can Agency of the Year the way they're performing mm. halfway through the week and wow wouldn't that be good for Australia and Australian creativity. I think it's brilliant. Mm. Don't you, um, I think the la- the biggest winner for Shelley was Dumb Ways to Die. Mm. And if they haven't, do you expect them to surpass that campaign? Depends what you judge it on. I, I don't think they'll get, mm. I don't think they'll beat Dumb Ways. In terms of number of awards won, let's not forget Dumb Ways to Die won six Grand Prix. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see that again. 
Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe what Mick Graham's got two. There's probably I don't know another three or four. Who knows? They might they might do it, but I never thought I'd see a campaign uh, eclipse Dumb Ways to Die. Well, maybe it's Fearless yeah. Girl because right now I think Fearless Girl's got a slight edge with mm. the judges when it comes to Fearless Girl versus Mick Graham, and I think that's just because. Uh, Fearless Girl's got another level and layer to it that's very interesting. Not only is it you know, a fantastic, iconic, cultural symbol that's been created, but it's also a, a fund. They've created an index or a fund um, um, that tracks um, companies where there's diversity of, of leadership management on the boards, and that fund is doing incredibly well. So it's, it's more than just uh, a point of view. There's action uh, and there's real tangible... Um, um, if you like, proof behind State Street's positioning on how important diversity is for mm. uh, performance of companies. Roberto, from a PR perspective, we've just mentioned Graham and Fearless Girl. Is it easier to sell a sculpture? <laughs> like, why these, you know, these sculptures are like the king of cans this yes. year? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, no is the short answer to that. <laughs> it is incredibly difficult to sell a sculpture or some other kind of physical thing that you pop up. I think the thing that makes it work um, is that it's obviously anchored in a truth. It's anchored in something that's really relevant mm. um, and problematic in culture right now. And Roberto, no, you know this. You sold a sculpture this year. You sold, sold the world's biggest um, hamburger, didn't you? I did sell the biggest hamburger. <laughs> Why is that not winning at Cannes <laughs> well, this year? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Roberto. Who knows? So, no, sculptures are not easy to sell, but things that are anchored in in purpose mm. absolutely work. And I think the purpose behind both of those ideas is is what carries it through. And when you put on top of it, as Paul said, a tangible action of it's not just a sculpture, it's not just an act of defiance, it doesn't just mean uh, that we're standing up for more uh, women in leadership roles, but there is a fund, a tangible act behind mm. it that gives back to people who do support this cause in a relevant way, it becomes an irresistible PR story. Mm. I think, too, the nature of what both of those are, if you think about how sort of clickable those images are, I mean, you can't ignore that in your news feed. You can't ignore it on your Instagram and your Snapchat. And we're all sort of scrolling through our feeds so fast. And if you've got one arresting image, it just sort of mm. stops everyone. Mm. The things yeah. that make you feel something, which I mm. think is what we, we said way back in this podcast... You look at that sculpture of Fearless Girl and you feel something immediately. Mm. You look at Meet Graham and it's a completely different type of feeling that you get, but you feel something. Mm. And that would be the same feeling that a journo or an influencer would get when you, mm. you pitch the story to them. They're looking at an image to go with the story and they're going, our readers are going to love this because it's not just a static thing on a page. It's, it's mm. jumping out of us because it is so defined and different to what we've seen. Mm. And Fearless Girl kind of touches on the hot topic of uh, diversity at Cairns this year, spe specifically gender. Um, it's something that always comes up closer to home and, you know, we speak about so much because it's a very white, male-dominated industry, as we all know. Um, how do you think that affects the creative industry here? Um, and, and I guess what are you guys doing in this space? Yeah, okay. Um, <clears throat> I think diversity is essential for better creativity. That's the simple bottom line. That's why mm. you do it. You don't do it to make up numbers. You do it because you get better ideas. And, you know, things like Equal Future and Hold Tight wouldn't have come about, I don't think, if we didn't have diverse teams working on it. And, you know, coincidentally, both of those campaigns were led by Tara, who's one of our creative directors down in Melbourne, working with Paul. Uh, I'd like to think TBWA Australia has been quite ahead of the game in terms of getting diversity right. 
Uh, for the last five years, more than 50% of our management team have been female. Kimberly Wells, our CEO in Melbourne. Nitsa Lotus is our MD in Sydney. We've got Kat, creative director in Sydney. Tara, creative director in Melbourne. And right across you know, the depth of the management teams, we've been quite progressive, I think. And um, uh, we're very proud of that. Mm. Kat, as a female creative director, how do you think we're kind of tracking in the industry? Look, I think it's um, it's definitely improving. Um I think, I mean, there's other things that we can do as, as creatives as well, which I think is part of our responsibility. And, um, you know, I've always kind of been of the mindset that if we're driving culture, then we need to sort of show that responsibly on our screens or you know, tablets or what have you. Um, so, you know, push really hard for casting decisions that you make, really consider your locations, think about the stories that you're telling, because that is just as reflective of diversity than as anything else is what's happening inside our agencies we need to sort of play that back to society as well mm. and roberto um you're kind of on the opposite <laughs> side because i feel like pr is more yeah. dominated by females it is. how do you see that kind of playing out in the pr space look diversity is is important anywhere we are across the industry in pr so skewed towards female that i don't even want to think about the very minute percentage of men that work in the industry. But it's incredibly important to have blokes working in PR. Why they're not there, I don't have an answer to that. I often talk about this with my mates who work in PR, some of them men and some of them women. And I think there's been possibly, you know, this stereotype about what PR is for too long. And, and we're definitely breaking it. And there's been great agencies um, in Australia that have popped up over the last couple of years that are, are showing what the true potential and power of PR can be. And I think that's attracting a different type of person to PR and that different type of person is is becoming more gender neutral as opposed to skewed one way or the other. But um, the more men, women, people of different race, orientation that we can get into media full stop is going to be far more reflective of how society operates than, as you rightly said, white men over the age of... 35. Mm, yeah, I think that's kind of a nice sentiment to wrap up on, guys. Um, you've been listening to the Ad News podcast today, sponsored by The Trade Desk and produced for us by Nova Entertainment. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.